0: To shed your light afar To the many duties ever near you Now be true Oh, brighten the corner Where you are Brighten the corner Where you are Brighten the corner Where you are Someone Far from harbor you may guide across the bar. Oh, brighten the corner where you are. Just above our clouded skies that you may help to clear. Let not narrow self your way debar. Though into one heart alone may fall your song of cheer. Brighten the corner Where you are Brighten the corner Where you are Brighten the corner Where you are Someone far from harbor You may guide across the barn Oh, brighten the corner Where you are Here for all your Talent you may surely find a need. Here, reflect the bright and morning star. Even from your humble hand, the bread of life may feed. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner. Where you are someone far from harbor you may guide across the bar oh brighten the corner where you are right beside you are believers who have gone astray for lost sheep you need not seek afar in Christ's love, exhort, restore, and comfort them today. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner where you From harbor you may guide across the bar Oh, brighten the corner where you are Stay in fellowship with Jesus and behold His face If His glorious radiance you'd impart Love and serve the Lord sincerely. This will touch men's hearts. Oh, brighten the corner where you are. Brighten the corner.
1: Our scripture meditation this morning comes to us from the book of Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read in, in your hearing verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says that you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden on the, the, the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bush, a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give it giveth light unto all that is in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. May God add his richest blessings to the reading of His word.
2: Good morning again and happy Sabbath. Before I begin, I'm going to move this microphone, and then I invite you to bow your heads one more time. As we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house. Um, I pray that you would uh, anoint my lips as I bring the word here this morning, and may we see you, your love, and your grace and your mercy. Again, I pray that you would empty me of self so I can be filled with you, and that uh, you would rebuke Satan's power to distract us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Are you seeing the theme yet? All right, this morning, we're going to talk practically about brightening the corner in your own little world. Uh, We're going to start with uh, some reasons why your corner might need to be brightened. It's pretty depressing out there, as Rick already mentioned, but I'm going to make it seem a little more depressing still. Well, thank you, Matt. Yes. So here are some statistics that I looked up. You know, people are dying out there of all kinds of diseases, right? Get this. One person dies... Every 37 seconds, because of heart disease. Every 37 seconds. In 2020, it's estimated that 1.8 million people will be diagnosed with cancer. And it's estimated that over 600,000 will die because of cancer. COVID, need I say more? People are suffering from the weight of financial stress and burden. Depression is on the rise, with an estimated more than 3 million people being diagnosed every year. This statistic from 2017 estimates that 17.3 million people have suffered from at least one depressive episode, and those numbers are climbing In 2017, it was reported that over 47,000 suicides took place. Over 20 million Americans over the age of 12 battle some sort of substance abuse, excluding tobacco. 20 million Americans, wow. Some research I saw found that 100 people die every single day from overdose. Violence is on the rise. In 2018, it was reported that 1.2 million cases of uh, violent crimes took place. So, some, so, this paints a pretty dark picture of the days we're living in, doesn't it? And that makes me think that we need some good news, don't we? People need encouragement, people need a savior. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. Luke 19 and verse 10. In my notes here, I uh, abbreviated some good news with SGN. How many of you have heard that before, SGN? There was some uh, things circulating on Facebook. Uh, there was an actor, I don't remember his name right offhand, doesn't really matter, but when the whole uh, COVID lockdown first started, he decided he was going to share some good news because everything was looking pretty depressing. So what he did is he got all these, found, did some research of his own and found things that were happy, things that were, uh, you know, li- uplifting. And he made this little video putting himself on as a uh, newscaster and it was quite in- intriguing. So if you have some time, check out SGN, Some Good News. All right, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, and that says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. That's the good news that we have, right? There is a Savior out there. And we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we have this good news, right? We've been given a job to share this good news. And the word that comes to mind when we talk about sharing this good news for some, is evangelism, right? Right, where we go out and put on these crusades. But sometimes this scares people, this word evangelism, because that means big meetings and a lot of time and maybe a lot of money. Or maybe it means that you have to actually get up in front of people. Scary. So let's take a look at the definition of this word evangelism. One source said, spreading the Christian gospel by public preaching, or get this, personal witnessing. So you don't have to be up in front of people, right? How about this one? The reviving or revival of personal commitments to Christ. So evangelism doesn't have to be getting up in front of people or putting on these big seminars. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of people that have come into the church through evangelistic series, right? But I think at its grassroots, so to speak, evangelism starts with me. All right? Turn back to Matthew. We're going to look at chapter 28 this time. Matthew chapter 28. I was reminded about, you know, with our... uh, we're going to come back to our scripture reading again later but lighting a light a city on a hill can't be hid i'm reminded because i get to, i don't know how many of you know i get to fly in a helicopter with the nicu transport team and it's really kind of neat flying at night because you see all the lights down there those houses and those cars and things they can't be hid you can't hide you can see them from a long ways away or you can see cities from a long ways away it's really quite impressive Matthew 28, starting in verse 19 and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That was in our children's story, wasn't it? So... This is what I'm going to propose to you today. I'm suggesting that simple acts of kindness, all right, starting with me, have a much larger or can have a much larger impact than maybe having a group Bible study or a big seminar. Often those little acts are really what's going to touch people's hearts and open the way for God to work. I almost think, or I'm thinking that some people aren't always open to even hearing the gospel. Am I right? I'm sure you've come across somebody who maybe had a bad experience at some point, just doesn't care about religion, but they can experience the gospel. Maybe they don't want to listen, but they can experience things that happen to them. And don't get me wrong, people are always watching, right? People out there are always watching. Remember, this doesn't have to be a grand gesture. You don't have to, I don't know, have some big thing for somebody to see and recognize that God's working. I am reminded of another story I remember seeing on Facebook. There's organizations out there that look for opportunities to do something nice for somebody. I remember seeing or reading a story where uh, this this group you know, staked themselves out in a parking lot and saw maybe a a single mom or mom who maybe looked like she was having trouble, Um, went and put an envelope of a couple hundred bucks, you know, saw where she parked, stuck it in her windshield with a little note. Here's some grocery money for you from, oh, what was that? uh, uh, There was an Uncle Arthur children's story. What was that? Help me out, somebody. Where the kids went and did the, the surprise package company—that's it. You know, a story similar to that. So it doesn't have to be a grand gesture to get your point across or to help somebody, help brighten somebody's day. Just something little. Today, let's look at Christ's method of how He witnessed to people. Back at camp meeting a few years back, we had Dr. Philip Simon. I don't remember if you went and saw his uh, messages. They, were, they made an impact on my life and I'm going to kind of take thoughts from him. Christ's method alone. We, we, through this method, we are given a perfect example. What are some of the things he did? Let's take a look. He mingled with the people, right? You know, he is, we consider him, you know, the head of our church, the one we look at, um, look forward to his return. Back in his day, though, the religious leaders, they kind of Kept their distance from those sinners, didn't he? He didn't care. He mingled with the people. So what does mingle even mean? How about to mix or to cause to mix together? He wasn't afraid of rubbing elbows with these people, right? Turn with me to Mark chapter 2. A couple pages over from where you maybe were just at. And verse 15, Mark chapter 2. We're going to check out who this Jesus is hung out with. Mark 2 and verse 15, and that says, Now it happened, as he was dining at Levi's house, that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many, and they followed him. I'm sorry, I maybe read you the wrong text, because I thought it just said sinners and publicans and tax. It did, didn't it? So he wasn't afraid to rub elbows and, and shoulders with sinners and these people that the other religious leaders were afraid of didn't want to come in contact. Well, if you look a little farther on, what was Jesus' response when he was questioned on who he was hanging out with? Do you remember? What did he say? Exactly. Exactly. Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are what? Sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So this is the kind of thing that we can look at, right? This is the way we can act. Mingling with people. Don't be afraid. You know, there's a lot of prejudice still going on in this world. It doesn't have to necessarily. I mean, there's obvious racial prejudice that has been going on. But how about political or economic prejudice? You know, we need to break down some of these barriers so we can reach people. So now, we see that he had mingled with people. Next, he was looking and desiring the good, the benefit of those people he was rubbing shoulders with, right? He was looking to meet the needs of these people. One story that I jotted down is When he first met Peter and John, what were they doing? They were out on a boat fishing, right? And they had been out all night. And what did he ask them to do? Cast your net on the other side, right? He was looking out for their good because what happened when they did? Noah, what happened? They caught a record number of fish! Now, this is their livelihood, right? They would not only eat from this catch, I'm assuming they would sell a lot of this and bring in money that they could actually continue to live and get the things they needed, right? So he looked for the physical needs of people. What other things, needs, did he meet? There's a lot of stories of healing, right? He healed physical defects, illnesses, I'm reminded of the man at the pool of Bethesda or any kind of lame healing story we talked about in our lesson study for Sabbath school. Kids, what did we listen to or what did did Jesus heal? Who did he heal? The lame man at Peter's house, right? They lowered him through the roof and he healed that man and he showed also that he had the power to forgive sins, right? So healing, he looked for healing, ways that he could heal people. He also supplied food, their physical needs as far as that goes, right? The story of feeding the 5,000, that story just, I can't even fathom how that happened, how he made that actually happen, right? Because there were 5,000 men, not including women and children, right? That's a lot of food. That is a lot of food. How much did he start with? A couple of loaves and a couple of fish. Wow. So he, he mingles with the people. He desires their good. He looks out for their physical needs, heals those. Let's take a look at uh, John chapter 9. This is one of my favorite stories of healing. I don't know why exactly, but it is. John chapter 9. And I might not read all of this because it's quite a little bit of a lengthy chapter. I invite you to read that at some point. But this is a story of the man, a young man, who was blind from birth. Do you remember the story? And he's now a young man, and he comes across Jesus, or Jesus passes by, and he sees this man, and he, answer, he went up, he asks some questions, he goes up to him, and here, let me see here. So he tells his disciples that he must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day. And in verse six, he says that he spat on the ground and made some clay with his saliva and anointed his eyes. And then he tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, right? And then he sends him on his way. Okay. Well, he's still blind until he goes and gets washed. Then he sees, right? I can only imagine what it would be like to be born. Blind, and then to see. That would be a huge game changer, wouldn't it? So the story goes on, right? He is doing a whole lot of things that he probably wouldn't do before. People see him. He's like, hey, isn't that the guy that was born blind? I think it's him. It looks like him, but I don't know. He's walking around like he can see. So they question him, and... Uh, Even the, the scribes and the Pharisees get in on this, question him. And he tells them the story what happened. I was blind. This guy put some dirt in my eyes, told me to go wash. Now I can see. So they're trying to put all the pieces together. And this is kind of a comical story. They go question his parents. And his parents said, He's old enough. Go talk to him. So they talked to him. And he said, Guys, I already told you once. I'll tell it to you again, but do you, maybe you want to be his disciples too? And that really made him mad, right? So they kicked him out. I don't know. I love that story. He went and then followed Jesus, right, after he got excommunicated from the church. So God is looking for ways to help people's physical needs, right? There's uh, freedom from devils. We read many stories about God freeing people from these chains, these demons that are keeping them captive. And then the one where the, the man had how many demons in him? I don't even remember. But he was walking around. What was that? Yes, they cast. he sent these demons into the pigs, and the pigs all took off over the cliff. So he took care of our physical needs, after that, then he was able to minister them to them spiritually, right? Here's an interesting thought, too, okay? A lot of what we were talking about, he was dealing with people within the Israelite nation, right? But he goes beyond that, and he takes care of people outside of that. If we look at the Samaritan woman, too, right? She was not a Jew, yet he ministered to her. Or the Roman centurion's daughter that healed was healed. I'm going to read to you some passages from the ministry of healing. This just blew me away. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them follow me. There is need of coming close to people in personal effort. If less time were spent in given, if less time were given to sermonizing and more time were spent in personal ministry, greater results would be seen. The poor are to be relieved, the sick cared for, and the sorrowing and the bereaved comforted the ignorant instructed, the inexperienced counseled. We are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. Accompanied by the power of persuasion, the power of prayer, the power of love of God, this work will not, cannot be without fruit. In almost every community, there are large numbers who do not listen to the preaching of God's word or attend any religious service. If they, are, uh, if they are reached by the gospel, it must be carried to their homes. Often the relief of their physical needs is the only avenue which they can be approached. Powerful words, huh? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. Galatians 5, verses 13 and 14. Powerful words we have. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love... What does it say? Serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in this, in one word, even this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now this message that we're talking about today is built on the precept that we are not saved. It's not about us. This message isn't, all right? This message is about building God's kingdom sharing the gospel message. I just was listening to a podcast from Disclosure. I don't know how many of you listen to Disclosure through uh, uh, The Voice of Prophecy with Sean Boonstra. It's got some good stuff. But he said something that kind of pricked my ears because it just fit right in line. (laughs) Excuse me. If your spiritual walk has grown stagnant, try doing something for someone else. I think that is... Such a true statement. Because if you do, if you are starting to be stagnant, you're not really making any headway, or you're kind of just getting into uh, monotony in life. You know, we have our devotions, we have our time. You're not really getting anything out of it. Try go doing something for somebody else. Go be a missionary somewhere. Not necessarily out overseas, but just right in your own little world, and you'll find that there's a huge spark that will come back into your life. I am going to share a couple of stories quick, personal stories of where I have failed at these principles here. So I was when I was in respiratory school a few years back, Kathy was working at the hospital at the time in the food service. So what we would do is we'd go in together. I'd drop her off at work because I usually had early morning class. I'd drop her off, and sometimes I'd go hit the gym and work out, and then I'd go to McDonald's to kill some time before school. I'd get my little apple pie and something to drink, and I'd sit down, and sometimes I'd read my Bible, sometimes I'd study. But one particular morning, I was sitting in my booth. It was kind of comical. You'd see a lot of the same guys, you know, with their coffee clutch, sitting in one table over there, and you kind of recognize people as as you got to know them. But I was sitting there, eating my food i was watching or, you know was facing the cash register the counter and in comes this fella kind of longer hair kind of ratty clothes and it's early in the morning <clears throat> and a thought entered my mind <clears throat> you should go offer to buy him breakfast that's crazy i don't know this guy i don't know who he is i mean he might be homeless i don't know He might be dangerous. I don't know. Go buy him breakfast. And I just buried my head in my book. He went and paid for his food, went and sat down, and that was that. And I was thinking, I should have bought him breakfast. Should have bought him breakfast. I don't know why, but I should have bought him breakfast. Later on, I went to class, did my thing at school. Afterwards, I had to go to the bank for something. As I'm walking in, there's an elderly lady sitting on the bench right outside. I walk by, you should offer her a ride. Walk in, I'm like, yeah, I don't know, this is kind of crazy. I mean, she's going to think I'm crazy. I go do my business and I walk out and she's still sitting there, offer her a ride. And I just keep walking. So twice in one day, I missed potentially opportunities to minister to somebody I'm never going to know, or I may know someday, but I'm not going to know what kind of impact I could have had on their lives. So here's what we can do. This is what I'm trying to uh, show to you. These are the things we're going to do practically. You're going to look and observe the world around you because there's dark corners everywhere, right? You're going to listen. Listen for the Spirit to work on your heart. Sometimes it might be that still, small voice, that thought that says, hey, go offer to pay for his breakfast. Because who knows? If I would have done that, maybe I would have been able to sit down and have a nice conversation with him. You know, maybe share some, some good news. I don't know. You know, so look and observe. Be aware of your surroundings. Listen to the Spirit. And then, if you feel the call, step out in faith. Faith an act. Let's read our memory, or not our memory verse, but our scripture reading again. Matthew chapter 5 13 to 16. Excuse me. The title of this little section in my Bible says, Believers are the salt and light. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works And glorify your Father in heaven. Who is this addressing? You. Me. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine. You know, when I was talking about looking and observing, that reminded me of a quick story. In my high school, we had a lobby. On one side, of, you had hallway going down to some classrooms in the office. There were two doors there. The other side of the lobby, there were another three doors that led down to some other classrooms. I was one day standing in the lobby mingling with some of my friends, and I saw two guys walking down this hallway from my right. The side that had the three doors, for whatever reason, usually only two of them were open, and I'm not really sure why. So two on this side, two on this side. Two guys were walking this way toward the lobby. They were very actively talking in conversation. I don't know what they were talking about, but they were very uh, deep in discussion, right? So I see two guys walking towards the door. They were not observant. One of them was not observant. They're walking, talking. One guy walks right through the door. The other guy walked on the other side of the door, smack, into the closed door. Be observant. Watch what's going on around you. You don't want to walk in any doors. That hurts. All right. Lost my train of thought. You are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. By doing these steps of meeting people's needs, we often open the door for the spirit to start working on their heart. Once we make contact by meeting a physical need, then we can work on the spiritual needs. And by caring for these people, we can often break down barriers, prejudices, walls that have been built up by their own life experiences. Right? So in closing, let's recap. We live in a very dark and depressing world with dark corners everywhere. We have... A perfect example of christ 's method on winning souls and brightening corners right he mingled with the people he looked for their good he met the needs the physical needs of the people, and then was able to minister to them minister to them spiritually it's my hope and prayer that each one of us is willing to be god 's hands and feet here in this community or wherever you are living in your sphere of the world. It's my prayer that we also can let down barriers and walls, that we are not afraid to step out and rub shoulders with somebody we might not normally associate with. I believe that God has a plan for each and every one of you. There may be one individual in your sphere of influence that you're the only person they'll listen to or they'll you'll be able to connect with. Don't miss those precious opportunities. Let's finish this work together so we can all go home. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the message that you have for each one of us. I do pray that we each can be a tool for you to grow the kingdom. I pray that you would help us to use our ears and our eyes, our senses, so that we can see opportunities where we can be used by you. And help us to hear and feel the Spirit uh, leading us, guiding us, and help us to be strong enough to step out in faith and take that step to meeting somebody's need. Uh, Be with us now as we go our separate ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand with me as we...